Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman Woo! here with you on a Friday morning. Good morning to you. Good weekend to you. We're just a few hours away from heading up to Duty Noble Field for MSU's second series of the year. We're going to preview that series along with MSU's big game at Texas A&M for basketball. But, of course, we want to start off by thanking our sponsors, Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. We want to thank those guys for all they do. This would be a good day if you are headed to Duty Noble to stop at Strange Brew because it's going to be cold. Might see you guys there. Uh, I plan to take a stop there in between we actually have a basketball press conference around 11 o'clock. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I will most likely leave there, um, then go get me some Strange Brew, and then return to Duty Noblefield. That seems like, feels like a full afternoon for you. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I, I went to, for the first time today, stopped by the Midtown stop. Oh, yeah. The, the, the new Strange Brew. Okay. Got the blueberry cobbler there, and Just as you delicious. know what? I'll be darned if it didn't taste exactly the same That's as at the stuff. other place, which is fantastic. Because now the great. new place is it? Is there more stuff in there? Uh, they have ice cream there too, right? I mean, I didn't. You didn't do all that. that no, I mean they they had their food. They had food and stuff. Like okay, the, like the you know look like muffins or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah. Had all all the things that you would see in the. Uh, the thing there next to the cash register. Display case yes. is the word you're looking That's for. That's exactly what I'm looking for. They, they had much of that stuff at, at the Midtown location, too. It looked like there was, you know, several more tables and things. Uh, really nice. Really nice right. <laughs> place. Well, go check them out over there on University Drive or, of course, at the original location on Highway 12. Also, want to thank College Corner or collegecornerstore.com when you're shopping online. They have two locations in the Jackson area. over in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're over in Flowood by the Half Shell. And you need to check out their incredible selection of Mississippi State merchandise. They really do have it all over there. Not only just t-shirts and caps, but they've got plenty of hoodies, jackets, all the, uh, the game day polos that are, that'll be coming out later this year. All the original stuff. You want it. They've got it at College Corner. Thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate you guys Listen, I, I reversed it today. I want to thank you guys for tuning in at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you're getting your podcast. Appreciate you guys making us part of your morning, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. Joel, we'll start with the story that everybody's going to be talking about, and that is Mississippi State Baseball, uh, as JT Ginn will indeed uh, miss his start today. Uh, out with arms, what was called arm soreness. They're going to let him see a doctor. They're going to reevaluate him. They don't know anything beyond that. Just first impressions of this for me are twofold. One, it's never good when you know this is the second time in two years that you've had to miss a start because of arm soreness. But the fact that State did not completely restructure the rotation and is just moving Kess- I'm sorry, Costler to uh, to Friday makes me think that maybe they think this could be a short term problem. Just what side do you lean on, I guess? I hate speculating because that's what I'm doing, is speculating. When I heard Chris Lamonis speak on Friday, and he talked about how nothing was determined beyond this weekend and that JT Ginn wouldn't pitch and that they were evaluating things with team doctors and when I listen to his tone and I look at his body language and I try to read between the lines as best as I can in this situation, 
I didn't sense just a great abundance of optimism. Now, if you'll recall, last year, it seemed like any time we asked about JT Ginn, it was always kind of a, oh, it's a little sore, we're just going to be a little careful with him kind of deal, mm-hmm. kind of abundance of caution kind of thing. You didn't hear any of that language out of Chris Lamonis on Thursday. He didn't say, we're not going to pitch him out of abundance of caution, or he didn't say, it's early in the season, so we're just going to take it easy. I mean, he basically said he's not going to pitch and he's talking to doctors. Mm-hmm. To me, that sounds like there's calls for bigger concern than a year ago. Um, again, I, I've got to stress, stress, stress that I'm totally speculating there. Mm-hmm. But I did not gather the same sense of optimism out of Chris Lamonis talking about it this year that I did a year ago whenever it seemed to be a week-to-week, well, let's just see, it's soreness, we're not too concerned with it kind of deal from a long-term perspective. I didn't get, I, I did not sense that that optimism at all out of him today. Um, I would think that if they thought that that he might share that in that we're, you know, kind of like with Tanner Allen. You know, I know it's a completely different deal, and no one expects Tanner Allen to be out for any length of time with his sore knee. But with Tanner Allen, this whole time, it's been like, oh, he's day-to-day. You might see him any moment now. We could use a little warm weather to help him get it loosened up kind of thing. But, I mean, this weekend he's still day-to-day, but you're probably going to see him. You know, there's always, usually with Lamonis, kind of a looking at the optimistic side a little bit. And I just, I didn't hear much of that coming out of him today. At least when I... And maybe that's looking too much into it, but when you when that's all you got to go on, you know, you, you go with what you got to go on. And it just didn't seem very promising to me. Now, to what you said, Carlisle Costler pitching on Friday and keeping the other two guys where they're at, you could draw up a sunshine pumpy scenario where it is kind of like, well, this may just be a one- or two-week deal, so let's keep the other guys where they're at in the rotation and save so that spot for JT. I'm again. the one pumping sunshine. Look at this. Yeah, I guess so. Uh but no, but you could also look at it this way, in that it's early in the season, and do you want Christian McLeod and Eric Sarantola both going on short rest already? Right. So, well, it would so just be for one week, though. It is, but I mean, for their second start, do you already want to start bumping them up a day? I would say. I, that, I, I, would I say guess this. I'm just saying I would not personally. I don't read just a ton into the fact that they didn't bump them up a day. I would say that if it was something was done, if they knew that he was going to be done, or if they feared that, they would go ahead and make that move. Here's my gut. My gut is they fear that he might be done, but they don't know that he's done. Yeah. That's my gut. And again, that is me speculating. That's not me reporting. That is what I feel in my mind, is that there is a concern that this could be a long-term issue, but they don't know that yet. Um, when you, Whenever you hear... Him talk about uh, you know we're what whatever we hear from doctors and what we hear from JT and things like that, it kind of makes you feel like I hate doing this because I, I feel like some people may take this and and act like I'm reporting that I know this and I don't. It is again me speculating and reading between lines, but I feel like when you use the language that Chris Lamonis used on Thursday, it was a situation where they have an uh, opinion and they're going to get another one kind of deal. It, it kind of seems that right. way. Uh, which, I mean, if this is a long-term possibility deal, I mean, that's what you would do. You would have... You're not just going to go on the first guy. You know, you, you're going to make sure before you do anything that, that would, you know, 
before they start doing operations on an arm. You're going to make sure. Yeah. But, yeah, so my gut instinct tells me that they have a fear that it could be a long-term deal, and they just don't 100% know that yet. But, I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel like this time next week we may know for sure. But going into this weekend, all we know is that JT Ginn is not going to pitch. And I guess the great, if you you know, the silver lining here is if this had happened before the season and all of a sudden before you'd seen Christian McLeod throw a pitch, you said Christian McLeod's going to be your Friday night starter, you may be a little iffy on it. But coming off of what he did a week ago, you kind of feel like if that's the Christian McLeod that, if that's him, he's a Friday night ace anyway. Right, right, right. I mean, your depth is obviously taking a humongous hit. So anyway, it's uh, not great yeah. <laughs> in the least to not have JT Ginn. And you, you kind of even wonder a little bit. This is, a, I guess, a speculatory pro- podcast a little bit, but what else can you do? You kind of wonder now with JT, since he's... This is the second rodeo now with, with arm soreness and arm issues and things of that nature. Even if he is to come back, would he be best served to, I don't know, be a closer? Pitch an inning or, or two. I, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. But yeah. um, bottom line here, a couple things. One, while you hate this for a kid that turned down a reported $2.4 million mm-hmm. before he came to Mississippi State, and here I am talking like he's out for the year. I don't know that he's out for the year. But if something serious where it's long-term, where it affects the rest of his season or, or and it's a long-term issue – you hate that that he turned down all that that money to come to school. But here's what I will say. Since he's been on campus, since JT Ginn's rear end has arrived in Starkville, Chris Lamonis in Mississippi State Baseball has taken as good a care of that kid, his pitch yeah, count. There's nothing more that, State could have Mississippi done. Mississippi State could not have done anything more in this instance. I mean, even last year, you remember at Omaha – he was mowing them down, you know. I mean, he yeah. was having a, a great start, and they, they took him out anyway mm-hmm. after, I can't remember, five innings, maybe six. I can't, yeah. I can't remember now how many he threw. But he was having a really solid outing, mm-hmm. and they took him out anyway. And I can remember after that game, uh, Chris Lamona said something to the effect of his career's bigger than all this kind yeah. of deal. I yeah. mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that was what he said, which is pretty gigantic to say when you're trying to win the school's first-ever national title. But Chris Lamonis has taken as good a care of that arm as, as he can. And and yeah. it's just one of those deals where in sports stuff happens a little bit. So but but anyway, I I I bookend all this with at this juncture we just don't know. I'm sure JT knows more than we do and his family and, and Lamonis probably knows more than he told us and things. But at this juncture, I guess you can still realistically hold out at least some hope that this is a last year type issue and it's not going to be something that lingers. Yeah, but I did not get sense a ton of optimism out of Chris. Maybe you did. What was your take? More or less, what you, you're saying that his body language was that of a guy who's concerned. So we'll see where it takes us. Let's let's. What does it affect for this weekend, though? You know, obviously, long term, if Gens out, that that reshapes your expectations for this team a little bit. But what about this weekend in particular? Does anything really change for you? Well, I mean, you think back to last week, and all these guys were on a. JT was on a 60-pitch count last week, and, and he said that uh, McLeod and Sarantola had a little more leeway. Right. They were a little further along. I don't know how much further 
I guess there was so much JT talk today. I, I should have asked and, and kind of, I guess, slipped by me. But uh, I don't know how much further he'll be willing to push McLeod and, and Sarantola this weekend. But you really need those guys to, to go deep, right? I mean, yeah. because at this juncture, let's let's draw it out. Let's say McLeod hasn't, you know, not maybe, maybe not as dominant a start as last week. Let's say he gets six innings, which, I mean, that's an inning more than he gave you a week ago. But, I mean, if, if he gives you six innings, that means your bullpen's got to cover three on Friday. Sarantola, I just I don't want to say he's never going to be efficient, but he is a feast or famine type. He's either striking out everybody or he's walking everybody. Yeah, and so that lends itself to very high pitch counts. I can't see him ever being a guy that gets beyond five or six. Yeah, I mean, unless it starts to click for him, then he's got the kind of stuff that he can mow guys down. He does, but I mean, and I'm not saying it, it can't happen, but we just have really haven't seen that yet. Uh. I mean, we've seen innings, but we haven't seen elongated outings where it's been from beginning to end domination. I mean, there, there's always those innings that just his pitch count goes up, a lot of walks, whatever. He is what he is. I just, I guess, what I'm getting at here is, I think there's going to be a ton of innings to be covered by that bullpen this weekend. Yeah, and so you're gonna need guys like Bedner and Chase Patrick, and um, you know. Fill in the blanks. I mean, all the names that you saw last weekend, plus maybe some more. He yeah. mentioned today guys like Casey Hunt and some others. Houston that, Harding. That, that we didn't see a weekend to go that he could see getting out there this weekend. That bullpen, I think, is going to have a chance to shine this weekend because you just got to cover innings. Because uh, I, I think in that, what I just said there, I, I said McLeod, and I may even said he was starting on Friday. He's starting on Saturday. Right. But like Carlisle Costler, I don't know how deep he can go into the game today. Right. So you may be covering six innings. Of pit. I mean, he was scheduled to start on Tuesday. Yeah, remember what I said? And it would have been a bullpen-type game probably. So I, I don't know if he could go two or three innings. But you're st- bottom line is the pen's going to have to cover a lot of innings this weekend, I yeah. guess is what I'm trying to say. Remember what I said on, was it on Wednesday's show? I said, is it a negative that you didn't get this game in because you wanted to get some guys some innings? Now it's a huge positive because Ka- Costler's fresh. You know, if he had gone out there and thrown three innings, he might not be able to start this game. Yeah, who, have... who would start? <laughs> that Bedner, maybe, if he didn't pitch? Because, I mean, he threw yeah. 70-something pitches the other day. That seems to be starters-level work. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know who the answer would be. So, And, and, and you're in that situation again where, God forbid JT is out for the year, but let's say that he is. Costler, I guess, is as we sit here and speculate, option number one to sling into that weekend rotation. Yes. Who's starting midweeks for you now at that point? One of these guys. Is every don't. single midweek a Johnny Holstaff? One of these guys you don't know. Because now you're getting into that that uh, part where if JT's out, then, I mean, the loss of, of Brandon Smith coming into this year is huge too. I mean, all of a sudden, 40% of the five guys that you thought would be starting your games, you know, is out for the year or whatever. Or, or I guess if you considered before Brandon Smith got hurt that he was going to be your main midweek starter, mm-hmm. and I don't know that he would. He could have been a back end of the bullpen guy. but And then JT, one of your weekend I mean, that's like half of your top four starters, you know, now out for the year, if that was to be the case. So you, I guess one of, you're getting into that that part where you're really starting to test your depth. And you're at a point where if – JT is out, and of course Brandon Smith we already knew was out, and if somebody else went down, holy moly, you're really getting into some trouble at yeah. that point. I mean, yeah. you're already kind of gritting your teeth a little bit, Yeah. but 
I don't know. The the good news is, I guess, State's recruited well. All these guys have potential. Yeah. A lot of talent. It's just unproven. You know, that's just sort of where you are. And that's that's what the good things about the uh the 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 out the out of the out of conference play is you you play a lot of teams that you should be able to beat that you can just you know beat hitting yeah and, and state has the type of lineup that they're going to win plenty of games by just scoring a ton of runs the problem is you're going to get into these SEC series on weekends where you're not going to be able to just bash your way you know LSU gorilla ball style back in the day you're not going to be able to do that every game so ah uh, it, it's Right now, I think you, Chris Lamonis and everybody that, that wears maroon white just needs to be hitting their knees and asking the good Lord <laughs> that, that JT Ginn's arm injury could not be that serious. But, yeah. I mean, if it is, what's what do you hear every coach say? I mean, it's just next guy up. What else can you do? Right. And uh, State, they have the ability. They have the, 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 the talent, but they just don't. When you're counting on a guy that went first, first round MLB draft to, to lead your staff and then all of a sudden he gets jerked away from you. Not great. Yeah. But let's switch over and talk about the, the hitting though for this for this weekend. I thought last weekend guys some of the, the guys at the top of the lineup were productive. They had some productive outs. I mean like Foskey's hitting two twenty five, but he has six RBI yeah. through, through three games. Not bad. Um do you expect a little bit more from the, those guys from from say Foskey in particular? Uh you know, we'll see what Tanner Allen's able to do if he's able to go. Even a, Bra- a Brandon Pimentel, who you know didn't do much last weekend, but could, could you know one through five? What do you expect from this lineup this weekend? More? I trust those guys. I don't care what their numbers are. Like at this juncture, we know what every one of those guys are. Justin Foscu, Chris Simmons was talking about it on Thursday. Um, there were several situations in which he was just trying to to do the right baseball thing and. You know, whether it's hit the ball, you know, the right side, trying to move a runner over kind of thing. Stuff that doesn't help your batting average, but stuff that helps the team. Chris Monas was talking about some of those kind of deals um, on Thursday. I'm not worried in the least about that one through four, one through five. I, I guess my question more than anything as we move into, into the second week, it's not can those guys do more. It's can the back half of that order, the Landon Jordans and the Cameron Jameses and the, you know, Tanner Logans, can they – not that they're going to – I mean, I think Cameron James hitting 455. I don't expect him to finish the year hitting 455, but can they continue to be threats offensively? That's what I'm looking for more than anything because I think you you know what you get out of Rowdy and Justin and Westy and Tanner when he's in the lineup. I don't, I don't think at this point there's any – needn't even discussing that we know what you got and even hatcher you, you know what you got out of him it's the rest of that lineup can they continue to be productive because if the back half of that order is productive mm-hmm. mississippi state is just fine offensively yeah yeah that's why you know i'm not going to sit there and say that losing gin doesn't hurt but state is if, there, if there's a team qualified to win a bunch of eight six games it's mississippi state and and i would even say that I mean, we knew they were going to be pretty good offensively coming into the year. If if Cameron James is what he showed in opening weekend, mm-hmm. and Tanner Logan's what he showed, Logan and Tanner, Logan Tanner, excuse me, I'm, all these Logans, Tanners, Jordans, ain't going to be the last time probably. Yeah. But if all these guys are what they showed on opening weekend, State's offense is better than what we thought. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, you you have a little more cushion to to try and cover for 
injuries to big time pitchers. Yeah. What's what's the series this weekend? What do you think? I think state. I think state takes the series. I I, I can't feel confident saying a sweep. I can with, see them dropping a game this with, weekend with Gen out, and I can see them dropping the first game. To be honest with you, but at the same time, if they win Friday, they have a great chance to sweep. I think because I feel very confident in McLeod's ability. And then you know Sarantola, you just sort of see what you get. But it's on Sunday, and anything can happen. And I don't, I can't imagine Oregon State's third starter. This isn't you know two years ago where Oregon State's third starter was probably still a first round pick. You know this is a you know a lesser Oregon State team. And uh, I think State's going to get the series and and continue to move forward. Did you hear my stat? You weren't there. I don't know if you were. There. Well, maybe you were there. I don't know. But uh, this team under Lamonis, if I did the math right, is twenty seven and one. Outside of uh, the conference in regular season play, into over over the year and one weekend now, They've, and the one game was a one nothing loss, one nothing in ten innings. This team has a, a mentality for non conference games that you don't normally see. Well, I mean, that's, and when they're better than the other team, they're gonna win. And that's a credit to those guys. And I'm going to use some John Cohen talk here, but he used to talk all the time about. You, you just – some games you just have to beat the game. You know, Ole Miss, when they played Alcorn a couple of days ago and nearly lost, I mean, that's a scenario there where – that's a game where you just have to beat the game because you're better than Alcorn. You just have to – you just have to show up and be mentally there and be fundamentally sound and be present and be in the game and treat it with respect, and you're going to win the game. And I can't imagine – I mean, Alcorn – I didn't watch the game, but I'm willing to bet Ole Miss was not sharp. Right. Uh, and it, it is to a team's credit to for all these non-conference games, it's tough to get up for a Tuesday night against – who does State play next Tuesday at four? It's like Texas Southern or somebody. Somebody like that, yeah. Texas, whatever it is. I mean, it's – I mean, you have to just be – you have to be mature to handle that kind of stuff. And State has, to their ever-loving credit, they're good at that. They they don't just waltz out in there for a midweek and 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 walk through it. Some state teams in the past have, um, even some of the the ones in in inside of this decade have, have or inside the last ten years or so have. I've I've been to Duty Noble Field as a fan a few times before for midweek games and looked like state was sleepwalking through them. Yeah. Um. But the last two three years you haven't seen that. Um. Maybe that was a Jake Mangum-inspired quality because it doesn't seem like since Mangum <laughs> was on the team that that's happened. But no, um, And maybe that's – even though he's gone now, it's kind of rubbed off on the guys who are still there. But uh, we'll see. See what happens. All right, over uh, across the river and, and, and over the state of Louisiana all the way into Texas, that's where the Mississippi State Basketball Bulldogs are headed this Saturday for a 2.30 tip-off against Texas A&M. A&M's an interesting team. When you look at their stats, you, you would think this team should be absolute total garbage. They're not They're not good. They only average 61 points a game. They've got one guy in double figures. Josh Nebo's averaging 11 and a half. Um, they get out-rebounded almost every game. Uh, they've turned the ball over, near, over nearly 100 times more than they've gotten assists. Nothing about this team makes you look at them and go, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a team that Mississippi State should be worried about. Except except that they somehow have started winning basketball games. And I don't know how they're doing it, other than I know that Buzz Williams is a fantastic basketball coach. This team is 7-6 is, uh, and six in the conference. 
That's, they're 13 and 12 overall. So they lost six non-conference games. Now, obviously, losing to Gonzaga is not a huge, you know, hole in the resume. But they lost to a, not a great Harvard team, not a great Temple team, not a great Fairfield team, not a great Texas team, um, and they lost to you know, they started off conference play losing by ten to Arkansas, but then they beat Ole Miss and they beat Vandy, and then they've just sort of you know traded punches with everybody the rest of the way, and now they're coming off of they are on a, a two game winning streak. They win, they beat Georgia, then they win at Alabama. And I'm not saying they're like Ole Miss, you know, where Ole Miss got hot there, and and you know you were a little nervous about that going in. But they they play a lot. Somehow, the pieces are greater than the sum, or how, I guess the sum is greater than the pieces here, because this is a team when you just look at their numbers, you think they should be awful, but they're not. And I think a lot of that credit goes to Buzz Williams as their coach. No. I agree 100%. This is a game that's so dangerous for State because you got a team sitting here that wins, but they hadn't won enough to be a good, you know, net team. So you're going over to, to College Station to play a team that's, what, in the 130s? Wasn't that what they were 123 last 123 they've moved up to. 123 in the net. You're, you're heading over there to play a team 123 in the net. And... You know, on paper, it looks like it should be a game you should win. But you and I both, I think if, if State loses this game, we are not shocked. Right. So it's it's just, a, it's dangerous. I don't even want to say well, every game trap is dangerous. game. But. No, no, it's not trap. You can't have trap games if you're Mississippi State anymore. Yeah. Every game is must win. And and this is one, I, I've been saying it the past couple of days, I feel like State needs to build up some cushion. Get to 18 or 19 and 9. Then if you drop one and you finish... You know, twenty-one and and ten, something like that. It's not that bad, but you've got to get people back on board. You got to get some momentum going. This is the stretch run. You know, you don't need to be going win loss, win loss, especially win loss when loss is going to yeah. keep you out of the tournament. Well, it does feel like if State loses this game, they've got to win out, doesn't it? It not only does it feel like that, I feel like it would be over. To be honest with you, this is a this would be a really bad loss. A, a sub, you're talking about a one twenty-three net loss. That's a quadrant three, almost a quadrant four loss. That's not good. That that's the kind of black mark on your resume. You've already got one with Ole Miss. I don't think you can afford, and you've really got one with uh, New Mexico State. Even though they they've won a lot of games, their their net is not good. You can't lose another game like this. Of the games on the schedule where I can say State could survive a loss, this is not one of them to me. They could survive a loss at South Carolina. They could survive a loss at home to Alabama. I don't think they could survive a loss at Missouri, and I don't think they can survive losing that home game at Ole, with Ole Miss. They have to win those three, and they really need to, at worst, split the other the other two. So that's that's where I am with Mississippi State and their tournament hopes. This team this year, you know, the past few weeks has been like a different guy sort of showing up. Stewart has showed up at times. Weatherspoon, Adu, obviously on on, on Thursday. I think this might be a game where they get sort of back to basics and Perry and Woodard sort of carry things. Yeah, Woodard hadn't really carried much lately. No. Um, he's kind of due, if you believe in that kind of thing. He, he's due for a big game. Um, I'm interested to see how Nick Weatherspoon performs on the road because he's coming off. Yeah, you know, he ended up leading the team in score and having a good night the other night at the hump, but his last two road games have been not good. So, for whatever reason, he just doesn't play as well away from the hump. So, if he's out there chunking balls in the stands and – 
being sloppy with it and, and another five, six turnover kind of night for him. I mean, you're 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 starting to if that happens, you're you're stirring up a recipe for disaster right there. If it feels like the winning formula for me in this game is to get the ball down up to Perry as much as you can and to let Woodard do some things. And then you know, whatever you get from your backcourt, you just sort of get, and then a dude just gives you whatever he gives you. But I I don't think State can win a lot of games with Perry get, getting his double-double in the last minute of the game. You know, I, I've said I think State can lose games where Perry plays well. But I don't think they can win a lot of games where he doesn't play well. Yeah. And, you know, and, and his performance sparks everything else. Yeah. And like I told you sitting there beside you on press row on Wednesday night, when Abdullah Du was leading the team in scoring with about 14 or so minutes left in the game, if Abdullah Du's leading the team in scoring, I'm almost willing to bet everything in my savings account that State's losing that game. Yeah. Like, if he's your leading scorer. Right, right. Um. But that was the situation State found them. So as it turned out, he ended up being like the fourth leading scorer because he got passed by Weatherspoon and uh, a couple other DJ and maybe somebody else. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Perry, Perry. If Perry's notching that double double in the final seconds like he did the other night, if he's doing that at College Station, I don't like State's chances. Yeah, so. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Uh, who's your playmaker then for this one? Ah. Uh, I think I'm going to go Nick again. Okay. He's kind of, for me, turned into the new Tyson Carter. You know, there for a while I was saying as Tyson goes, so goes State. Kind of feels like lately as Nick goes, so goes State. So uh, my eyes will be on him, and if he performs and he's not turning the ball over every trip down the floor, then State's probably in good shape. So I'll go with Nick. I'm going to go with the guy I just mentioned, Reggie Perry. Uh, I feel like maybe I should go another way, but let's, let's go with Woodard. Let's, let's change that up. Let's go with Woodard because, like you said, he, he sort of do a, a good game. He hasn't had one in a while, a game where he's got 15, 16 points, 7, 8, 9 rebounds, something like that. Yeah, Woodard for me is the guy that I, I'm going to keep an eye on. Who's your who's – your, I'm sorry, what is your uh, prediction? I think State wins. Um, they're the better team. Quite frankly, they need it more. Um, I – I continue to think this team will find its way into the tournament. So uh, I guess if I considering all those things, I've just got to go with State. Um, I'll say Mississippi State seventy-five, A and M sixty-nine. Nice. I'm gonna go. Uh, State wins. Very close. Another nail biter. Unable to just put them away. Uh, Seventy-one sixty-eight. It's gonna be my final score. Uh, but the Bulldogs get the win, and they continue on another week uh, on, of life on the bubble. All right, uh, Monday show, we'll recap that game. We'll recap all the baseball. We'll recap some women's basketball as well. Plenty to talk about on Monday's show. Looking ahead to next week, we'll preview the wide receivers, which might be our most interesting positional breakdown we've ever done on this show or any show I've ever done before it. A lot to talk about there, obviously, plus plenty of other good stuff to get you ready for uh, the week. Guys, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. For Joel T. Coleman, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.